I'm going to ask you to join me again. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Work our way all the way down to verse number eighteen today. First John three verse eighteen. We are studying, some of you haven't been with us, and maybe this is your first time with us, but uh, we have been studying through 1 John 3, looking at three daily Christian essentials, things that we ought to be mindful of, and I'm hoping that it's the way we start our day, each day, to be mindful of these three things. We are called to be like Christ, how often? All the time, that means every day, right? All right. We are to love our brother. How often? All the time. So that's a great way to start your reminder in the morning. I'm to love my brother. And we are to live truth. And I could ask you the same question now, can't I? You already know the answer. How often should we be living truth? All the time. Okay, now you've got the whole message. Um, we, this is First John 3. We have worked through the first two of those on being like Christ, and we spent four weeks on that, and we've spent four weeks on loving our brother, and now we're on the third topic, which starts in verse 18, goes through verse 24, and that is living truth. Living truth. Now, what I have done in the course of each section of four weeks, I've taken a little bit of time to define what that means. What does it mean to be like Christ? What does it mean to love my brother? And we've worked on that. And today we're going to look at what does it mean to live truth. Live truth. I'm inclined just to define the word for you. Since we're going to be talking about truth for the next four weeks, uh, and I'm going to be stressing live truth, we've got to take a little walk down the road and see what that is all about. Our verse says in verse 18, Little children... Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. And then he would use that word truth and he would go on in the rest of the passage to talk about what we are called to do in relation to living the truth. And so that's where our focus will be. But as we start, let's ask for the Lord's help. We're going to need it, right? Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for setting before us such a clear presentation and demonstration of your love for us and the truth that you call us to live. You have challenged us thoroughly so far in this text. We, we anticipate more of the same as we move further down into your beautiful word. Lord, we again have that privilege of sitting at your feet and ask that you might work in our hearts and change us. As we leave from this place today, may we be different because we have spent time with you. Thank you, Lord, for this. And give us that help we need right now, especially as we learn of truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the last questions asked to Jesus was, what is truth? You remember that, don't you? Pilate was the one who brought that up. What is truth? You know, that same question has gone on for years, hasn't it? What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? And for some reason... We have allowed the philosophers to tell us what truth is. Society has gone to them and, and the question has been left for them to answer. You ever take philosophy in college? 
But since this is a uh, lesson on truth, I have to tell you the truth. I hated that class. I just can't stand the, the... Well, here's the problem. You sit there and you listen to all these people with all their philosophies and how things ought to be and whatnot. And most of them are so far from the truth that it's frightful that there's so many listening to them and following them. I, I'm not going to inflict philosophy on you this morning. All right? I have no intention to. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even need to try to wrestle with the whole concept of truth. Truth has been clearly defined for us. It has been stated. It has been written down. It is demonstrated. And for those who claim there is no truth, they just haven't looked in the right source. We've got the Word of God in front of us, and it is the truth. And we're thankful for that. Uh, we have a standard to work by, and, and I'm going to be passionate about that. If there's one thing especially I want to be passionate about is the fact that uh, in the religious circle trends, especially the last 15 years or so, there's been a denial of absolute truth. They just claim you, you, there's no way to know the absolute truth, and so they have uh, given us all kinds of attempts to wed the teachings of the church with the deceptions of the world, and you know what the outcome has been, and you see it now, is a very confused congregation and a very confused society. And we're in the middle of all that, and it's swirling around us. And, and we, we have some luxury here in Hillsdale. The, the, the wonderful smallness of the community and such, that some of these things in, in theological circles hasn't touched us. And I thank the Lord for that, because the, the confusion is terrible. And as we walk through truth, we have to study it. We have to know it. Because how are we going to live it if we don't know it? So we, this is where we have to start. What is, what is truth? Um, our problem, when we depend upon men to define that for us, uh, is that we all start with minds that are darkened, depraved, Scripture calls it, uh, they're not capable of grasping truth on their own. Uh, and so as a result of that, rather than going to God's word, we've let man be the standard of what is true. We've trusted man's opinion for what is true and, and uh, not God's word. So we've gone through this mind-numbing procedure. It's a bunch of mush, really, when you get down to it. it it's just, we... we what is life for? This is, this is what they say. Well, if it's true for you, then it must be right. You ever hear that? Or they say something like this. Well, that may be true for you, but that's not necessarily true for me. What have we made truth? Very subjective, right? Depends on what you think it is. Depends on what he thinks it is. Depends on what she thinks it is. Let's talk to God about that. That's our whole study. Now, you got it? His truth. And we're going to learn His truth, and we're going to live His truth, because the fact is, it's indispensable for the Christian life. We can't go on the Christian life without knowing the truth, and how to live it. And notice how these three interconnect. You can't choose one out of these three that we've been studying, like Christ, loving our brother, living the truth. You can't pick one and say, hey, I'm doing pretty good. 
right? You can't even just pick two and exclude one because you just don't like that one topic. Because you can't be like Christ and not love your brother, right? Are you sure? I've got four weeks I could go back over if you're not sure. You, you can't be like Christ and not love your brother. And you can't be like Christ and not live the truth. You cannot love your brother and not be like Christ. You cannot love your brother and not live the truth. Now you know where the next one will go. You can't live the truth unless you're like Christ. And you can't live the truth without loving your brother. They're all related to one another in that sense. And, and so as we're, we're working this through, understand this point, and I think I can make it clear. Sometimes when we think through that the Lord is doing this work in our life, we're going to pick which one of those three topics we're going to work on today. We're, we're going to, you know, this is the idea. I, once I get good at being like Christ, I'm going to then start working on loving my brother. And then when I get that right, then I'm going to start living the truth. As if there's options for you to choose which one you want to start with. Uh, from what I understand in Scripture, God does all of this simultaneously. There's an old phrase, and you've heard it before. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That is not true for the Christian life. All right? When he's developing Christ's likeness in you, he is also developing a love for your brother. He's also developing your walk in truth. You see what I'm trying to say? These three are not those we pick from and say, I'm going to pick two out of three. All three are the work of God in your life right now. And he's not going to quit. I promise you. He will not give in. He will not say, well, this one's a hard nut to crack. I can't do that. God doesn't ever fail. So, he's going to do this simultaneously. So, this factor that we have before us of living truth is not taking backseat to anything. It is just as essential to our Christian walk as being like Christ and loving our brother. Okay? Living the truth. Is that important? And our paragraph before us, I'm going to just read the rest of the chapter for you so you get the whole picture of where we're going to be. Verse 18, Little children do not love in word or with tongue, but indeed in truth. We know, that, we know by this that we are of the truth and we assure our hearts before Him. In whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. This is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus, in His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. The one who keeps His commandments abides in Him and He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given to us. That's where we're going to be for the next four weeks. Now, there are some hard areas in life, and, and I know this, and probably you do too, is uh, telling the truth. Do you find that challenging at times? There's a whole argument about that on the sports radio program just the other day. There, there were 
deciding whether or not it was right to tell the truth all the time. And, and one of the, the hosts of the show was actually telling them, no, it's not right to tell the truth all the time. National radio telling everybody across America, it's okay to lie once in a while, if, if it serves a better purpose. You ever wrestle with that? Telling the truth. We have, in the old movies, you remember how they would set you under a bright light to get you to tell the truth? Or they would uh, uh, have you swear in court, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Or they inject you with that truth serum. I don't know if any of that works. But I did work for a place that uh, we handled a lot of money. Uh, my truck coming home from built vending machines. $10,000 a day in quarters out of my vending machines. That's incredible. I had a boss that didn't trust anybody. And every now and then, we'd drive that back into the, the, the shop there, and he said, oh, by the way, I set an appointment for you down the street. Get down there right now. He's waiting for you. The lie detector test was waiting. And we were down there, I don't know how many times, because he thought somebody was taking quarters out of his little bags of money. I, it's just, by the way, I never failed one, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> we are demanded to tell the truth in some circles, aren't we? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. We have it. How about live the truth? Which is harder? <laughs> this is a good question. Which is harder to do? To live like Christ? Is that to be truthful? Does he always tell the truth? Yes. And we're to be like him, right? Uh-oh. You know where the pastor is going now. How often do we live truth? All the time. All the time. So what does the Bible say about truth? Well, this is, this is kind of helpful. At least I'm going to scare you to death for a second. There are over 200 verses that reference truth in the Bible. We're not doing all of those this morning. But a lot of them we will. Alright? What does the Bible have to say about truth? Let's divide it into categories and, and just get moving quickly through these passages and study them up. Here's two facts that we start out. Number one, that God is truth. Right? Somebody's, okay, I, two people agree with that. God is true. Always true. Good. We are his children. Is that true? In Christ, we are his children. So, what does that make us in relation to truth? If God is true and we are his children, guess what he expects of us? To reflect that truth, right? Just like he is true. Now, watch how this works out in Scripture. Just a handful of verses, uh, not a handful, that wouldn't be true. A lot of verses, a bushel full of verses. First, God is truth. God is truth. We go to Exodus 34. This verse number 6 is when God revealed himself to Moses. Moses says, tell me who you are, show me who you are. You know the story. He really wanted to see God and, and God passed in front of him. But as he did that, there was something being said and it was fascinating what it said, because that is God's definition of who He is. Who are you, God? Explain yourself. This is what He said. Exodus 34, verse 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of Him and proclaimed, 
The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That's how he defines himself. So, oh, that's, that's fascinating. How many more times do you think that's repeated in the scripture? Listen to this one. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Sounded like the same verse, didn't it? Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. And then in Psalm 108, verse 4. Your loving kindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the sky. Practically, all the verses that define God has the word truth in it. Because that's who He is. He's true. In His character, in, in His essence, He is true. And so, His words are true. Isn't that right? If He is true, then His words are true as well. And we have a whole series of verses here. Second Samuel 7. Verse 28. Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are truth. Psalm 119. There's a whole bunch of verses there, but 142 is a good one. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. Says it again in verse 151. You are near, O Lord. All your commandments are truth. Then nine verses later, in verse 160, the sum of your word is truth. I, I like that, especially for you who are math students. You like sums. You add things together and you like, what's the total? What's, what's it come out to? And that's what the verse says. The sum of your word is truth. Add it all up and that's what you're going to get every time. Sanctify them in the truth, the Lord prayed. For your word is truth. John 17. So, God is true. Definition of who he is. His word is true. That we have. His instruction to you and me is related to that. And listen to a handful of verses here. In Psalm 25, verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me. The psalmist says. In Psalm 25, verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. All of his paths. Psalm 43, verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. He says. Here's another one. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Job wrestled with that. Ecclesiastes wrestled with that. All the way through the Old Testament. And then we have Jesus speaking in John. And guess what he says? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? Then he prays for his disciples and he explains to them very carefully in, in chapter 14 of John, 15 of John, 16 of John. He keeps speaking of the spirit of truth. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. He says, but when He comes, John sixteen thirteen, the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. Now, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Guess who lives in you? 
this very guide, right? The Holy Spirit. And that's his role. He guides you in truth. He said in John fourteen seventeen, The Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. John fifteen twenty six. When the Helper comes, who are sent to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That's his job is to lead us in those paths of truth, to teach us and guide us and show us more about Christ. So, now you're starting to see all this developing, right? God is true, His Word is true, and He wants you to know it. He wants you trained and taught and guided in it. So He sends the Holy Spirit. And all of His actions toward you are true. You've already seen the combination of loving kindness and truth. There's verses everywhere that it just says that same combination over and over. Loving kindness and truth. Loving kindness and truth. Loving kindness and truth. And yet it's always aimed at you. This is beautiful. Psalm 57.10 For your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. And then he goes to 85.10 Loving kindness and truth have met each other. Righteousness and peace has kissed each other. Second Samuel 2.6 Now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you. Psalm 57.3 He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon, upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Psalm 40.11 You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and truth continually preserve me. Now, we could add one more. Simple one. Psalm 117, verse 2. For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Now, once you understand this, we're going to talk about living truth, right? That's what our theme, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, and we realize maybe if we graft it today, it would look kind of like a roller coaster schematic, right? You say, well, you know, living truth, today I'm pretty good at it, tomorrow, uh, you know, we, we've been down those roads. How faithful is God with his truth towards you? He is consistent, right? Steve told us that this morning, his faithfulness is consistent. He has never diminished in his truth towards you. We talk about his mercy, we talk about his grace, but think about his truth. His truth does not diminish towards you. It's consistent all the time. And who are we to be like? Aha, uh-huh. I got you again. It's him. Not our version of truth. It's his version of truth. Now, if he's doing all this work and he's not letting up on it, he's consistently, faithfully, truthful toward us in every aspect of our life, what happens if that is removed? Now, just, just for a supposable case, okay? You know, our world very much wants to live apart from God. Have you noticed? We would like everything to be separate from God. Just take God and put Him in a closet somewhere. A museum would be nice, maybe. At least put a monument up or a little plaque to say He was here. But society as a whole wants to move as far away from God as they possibly can. Scripture tells us what that society will look like. I'm going to start reading verses, and you start to think, 
Is this what I saw in the paper yesterday? Is this what I've noticed on the news in the last couple of weeks? A false witness will perish. But the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. The truth has stumbled in the street. And uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. Those And he turns aside from evil, makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight, because there was no justice. So roam to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. And look now, and take note, and see in her open squares, if you can find a man. If there is just one who does justice, who seeks truth, then I will pardon her. Isn't that alarming to think? This was on the verge of a... a, Punishment from the Lord that was going to fix the entire city of Jerusalem. And he was willing to hold it back if one person walking in truth could be found. You know what happened next? The punishment came. You know what that tells you? They found none. Frightful, isn't it? Oh Lord, do not, do not your eyes look for truth. You You have smitten them, but they did not weaken. You have consumed them, but they refused to take correction. You have made their faces harder than rock, but they refused to repent. You say to them, this is a nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, or accept correction. Truth has perished, and has been cut off from their mouth. They bend their tongues like a bow. Lies and not truth prevail in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Everyone deceives his neighbor. They do not speak the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. They weary themselves committing iniquity. Then Daniel starts to describe the Antichrist. He makes one little phrase that I find something else, because this is on the horizon, folks. He talks about, on the account of transgression, the host will be given over to the horn, which is the Antichrist, along with the regular sacrifice, and it will fling truth to the ground. Quite a picture, isn't it? Then Jesus said these words, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Then verses that follow this in the New Testament epistles, and I'm not giving you references. You could pull up a concordance and find all of them. With all deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Men who oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, rejected in regards to the faith, they turn their ears 
away from truth. They turn aside to myths. They don't pay attention to the truth, but they pay attention to myths. They pay attention to the commandments of men, but they turn away from the truth. And then you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. You're arrogant and you lie against the truth. See all these things mounting up together? Frightful, isn't it? Constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth. Who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Many follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth is maligned. Now, taking all these verses together, and, and no doubt you can see our society certainly is walking that way at a very fast pace. Maybe walking is not the right word for it. Galloping. Over, over the years, you've learned this in economics. When in the law of supply and demand... Scarcity does what? It drives up those prices, doesn't it? I wonder what truth costs today. It's got to be an astronomical figure if we can put a price tag on it. This is the world we live in. One that will do everything it can to suppress the truth and walk away from it. Now, who is to live truth? All right. For every time we point the finger at society and blame them for this, who is supposed to walk as true? That's us, right? For the fact that the world is lacking it, we don't need to look at them because they don't have the answer. We do. We do. So the Lord, seeing how man obviously is, uh, had already... uh, planned what he was going to do about man, and especially toward the millennial period, he's got solutions for this. Uh, Behold, I will bring it to health and healing. I will heal them. I will reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. What did that look great in the newspaper? The city of truth. Jerusalem. I will bring them back, he says. I will live in their midst, in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people. I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Here's the good news, folks. Down the road, it's going to change. The Lord will come. The Lord will reign. And this world will know truth. Right there in front of them. They will see him. After all, what's God's desire? He desires that all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, Jesus came, and he said these words, I am the way, and the truth, and the life, right? No man comes to the Father but through me. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You're starting to catch on. Truth, truth. Everything about it speaks of truth. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. He goes on, He who practices the truth has come to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. The hour is coming, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. Now, what is happening as I'm reading this is all of a sudden that, that issue of truth is being aimed right at us, isn't it? Scripture is loaded with the information that we need to, to live by. Now, therefore, he would say, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. Fear the Lord. Serve Him in truth with all your heart, He says in Samuel. Consider what great things He has done for us. Who can dwell on His holy hill, David asks. He says, He who walks in integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Then the psalmist says, For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. You desire truth, that hidden part. You have made known wisdom. So I bow down toward your holy temple. I give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified your word according to your name. For my mouth will utter truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. So I like this one picture in Proverbs 3. That Solomon's teaching his son, and he says, this is what you do. Take truth and kindness and bind it around your neck. Can you try to picture this? What's it got to look like? This magnificent necklace, right? Truth and kindness. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Pretty impressive. I like the picture. Buy truth, he says, and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Do you know what love does? First Corinthians 13, we know that chapter, don't we? What does love not do? Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love does that. Tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, renounce the hidden things of shame. Don't walk in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commend yourself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We're called to do that. The word of truth, the power of God, is our weapon of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Right hand and in the left. We're called to live by truth. Speak the truth in love. Have you ever heard that verse? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love. It says in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, Therefore laying aside every falsehood, speak truth to one another with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. So stand, he says in chapter 6, stand firm, therefore, having your loins girded with truth. Now it's kind of interesting, just the picture of that. They, we call it the belt at times, or, or they use the word girdle at times and things. But the, the concept is, if you take that part off, all of your armor falls loose. Because that's what it all attaches to. The breastplate attaches to it. The, the, the uh, protection on the legs attached to it. Your sword hangs from it, right? They say there used to be a trick in warfare when folks were dressed in this kind of an armor that if you got up behind them and cut their belt, you incapacitated them to fight. The whole time they've got to hold their pants up. 
They can't even grab their sword and fight. They can't run. They can't move because their armor has been affected. Why? They cut the belt. Guess what God calls the belt? Truth. Satan loves to go after truth. The very first thing he did with Eve. Has God really said? Remember? He questioned the truth of God. First thing. Take truth out of the picture and guess what mankind is? An absolute mess. That's why this target is given to us here today. Do you know this? This is incredible. I've got to show you this one. Go to it. 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15. It's just a little... Matter of fact, I've been through this many, many, many times before. I've never quite noticed this. So it stopped me in my tracks the other day. Here's Paul saying... Timothy, I'd like to come. I'm coming. I'm going to talk to you about these things. I really hope it won't be before too long. But he says in verse 15, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Now I stopped right there and I said, Who's the pillar and support of the truth? That's my question. So I go into it grammatically. I figured I could answer everything with Greek, right? So I go in there and I start looking it up. And it speaks of the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. I said, is that God who's the pillar and support of truth? Yes, he is. Because guess what? He is truth. But is the church? Yes. Because who are we to be like? Him. Here's here's what, what dawned on me as I was thinking that. How many times do I expect truth of some other source? And I'm depending on them to provide the truth. I go to the news thinking they're going to tell me the truth. I go to, you know, we've got every area you can think of. And I think, well, surely they're going to tell us the truth. We're going to tell the truth. Who is designed to be the pillar and support of truth in this world? The church. And all the while, the church is playing games with philosophy and mixing it up with worldly opinions and man's design, and the church is confused as to their role in society. We are to be pillars and support of the truth. You see it? We're called to that. We do that. We must do that. Because when it's lacking in society, it's not right for us to blame them when it's our job. We are to be showing that. So be diligent, he tells Timothy. Be diligent to present yourself to prove to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And when you're doing that, Gently correct those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. We've got a calling, don't we? How are we going to do that ministry if we're not living truth? We must live it, right? If we're going to teach it. We must live it if we're going to share it. And that's what being like Christ is all about. If indeed you have heard Him, Paul writes, and have been taught in Him, just as truth as is is in Jesus, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, having been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. 
Now, where did I find all this in 1 John chapter 3? What's he say? Do not love with word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Truth becomes very important then on how we love our brother. True? Yes. Truth has to be part of that. Because if we eliminate truth, we're not going to love him right. And if we're not loving him right, we're not like Christ. You see the combination? We have to learn truth. We have to know how to live truth in order to do truth. And that's what we're called to do. I I have a lot of pages, but I don't have a clock that likes me. So guess what? Next week, round number two. We're going to work this through. We're going to learn it so that we can live it. So that we can be like our Savior. Right? That's our goal. Father, we need your help right now. We've been uh, uh, given from your word a thorough explanation of what you expect of us. And it's even more than that. It's what this world desperately needs, Lord. The solution we have in Jesus Christ. And it's what you're doing in our lives. And we don't want to fall short in this, Lord. We don't want to fall short. Help us, we pray. Help us with this. We, we, we need to learn not just what is truth, but how to live it. We've got several weeks ahead of us, but Lord, you're with us every day, every hour. And so as we go along throughout the course of this day and this week, our teacher is with us. Keep us mindful of this as a daily essential in our lives. Bring it to our minds often. Challenge us thoroughly with us, with it and make us different, we pray. Make us more like our Savior. And we give you the praise for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience. But thank you that you will not stop until we look just like him. And we shall see him as he is. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen.